0: Church, it is so good to be with you today as we conclude this series, No God Like Ours. I just want to quickly recap where we've been over these past four weeks. We started with God as being omnipresent, And then we looked at God's sovereignty. And then we talked about how God is incomprehensible. And last week, we talked about God being self-sufficient. This week, we conclude and we wrap up this great series with God being omnipotent. Omnipotent. Now, Now, that is uh, a word that we just kind of go, what does that even mean? And here is the definition of omnipotent. It simply means infinite power. Infinite power. I got to tell you, my daughter and I, we have uh, been watching together the entire Marvel series. It's been good for me, I was late to the Marvel game. And so I've never seen any of the Marvels before either. So her and I together are watching the Marvel series and let me just tell you, I didn't realize when I committed to her that we would watch it together that it was 47 hours total. 47 hours of my life is going to be committed over these past few weeks to the Marvel series. Well, as I was thinking and preparing about this message about omnipotent, I thought to myself, which Marvel character really is most like to have omnipotence? Which, which Marvel character would that be? And I had a Marvel character in my head. I asked my daughter who had a Marvel character in her head. Now, granted, we haven't seen the whole thing yet either. And so then I asked our new associate student director, Nathan, who is a huge Marvel fan, a huge Marvel buff. I said to him, Nathan, I'm preparing a message and I really need your help. Of all the characters in Marvel, which one is omnipotent? I mean, now, you would have thought that I asked him to just consider what is the best pizza in the entire world because he sat and he thought and thought and thought and then he looked at me and he said, well, it, it really comes down to this. It's Thanos. Thanos is the one who is most like God, who is the one who wants to be Omnipotent, But here's the truth. And as we talk about this sometimes, and we've seen this as we've gone through this whole series, that we can tend to confuse, confuse the power, the attributes, the characteristic of God and either want them for ourselves or sometimes even ascribe them to someone else. The truth of the matter about omnipotence is that God alone has power over all things. God alone has power over all things. And I want you to think about this with me. Because when we think about Jesus and his work on earth, and when we think about God and the things of Scripture that we see in God, we really do see that God alone is the one who has all the power. Think about creation. In our biblical understanding of creation, God spoke it, and it was. He has power to speak, and things are created. We don't have that ability, right? As much as I always say when I head out to the garage door in the morning, and I go to turn that door handle, and I just think for the very fleeting moment, let there be a Corvette. There's never one in the garage. God speaks it, and it is happens. God has power over creation. We also see what Jesus has as as he lived on this earth, right? And and Jesus had great power. Jesus had power over creation as well. He had power over the wind and the waves. He spoke, "Be still," and the wind and the waves were calm. Jesus had power over sickness and infirmities as he said to the paralytic get up take your mat and go home jesus had power over the demons as he said to the demons be gone and he cast them into a lot of pigs who then threw themselves into the sea Jesus had power over death. As he said to the widow in Nain, "Arise." As he said to Lazarus at the tomb, "Lazarus, come out." And he came out after being dead for 4 days. Yes, Jesus God has power over all things but here's the thing and this is going to blow your mind so wherever you are right now sit down because this is going to just be crazy I mean we think about it God says it it happens Jesus says a healing and they're healed Jesus says that the demons go and they must submit Jesus raises from the dead. And here's the thing, those are all the outer fringe. They're the outer fringe of God's great power. I mean, for us, we would look at those things and we would say, that's gotta be the center of his power. That's gotta be the things that that he has the most to exhibit of his power, but yet they aren't. They're the things that blow our mind, but for God, they're the outer fringe work. Job 26, 14, Job saw the power of God. Job says, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? Man, when I think about God, and the reality that those are the outer fringes of of God's power, what then would be the center of God's power? What then would be the things that that God is saying, this is the power that I want to exert. This is the power that I want to, to have upon my people. This is the power that I want to be known for. But as we get to that, we've got to first think about what we as humans think is powerful, we oftentimes will put power for human centered power where we look at things we'll we'll put it with with physical right like someone who's strong who's got who's got bulging muscles and biceps. I'll just tell you a quick story, probably the strongest just that 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 I had seen that I had realized um I got a chance uh, quite a few years ago, probably 20 years ago now. Holy moly. 20 years ago, I I got a chance to sit in the right field bleachers of a Chicago Cubs game. It was my first Chicago Cubs game ever. And I still remember in those right field bleachers that, that first inning as the Cubs took the field. And if you're a baseball person and you have some years on you like me, you know who took right field for the Chicago Cubs? Sammy Sosa. And Sammy Sosa comes out there. And I remember, and I wasn't that far from the field in those right field bleachers. I remember looking at Sammy Sosa and seeing from the very top of his hair to the bottom of his feet, one chiseled muscle. I mean, his legs were as big as me. His his arms just were were bulging, right? And 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 I that's physical power. Now here's what James writes about physical power. In James chapter one, he says that we cannot lose sight of the homeless and those who are weak, that they are who we have to focus on. But see, we think physical power, physical strength is something that is to be desired and attained. Another human-centered power is aesthetic beauty. Aesthetic beauty. You know, when you hear that word, aesthetic beauty, we can think of people in our, in our minds, people that we just go, that's a beautiful person. Like, that's a person who aesthetically is, is gorgeous. And, and we, we have this aesthetic beauty for them. And, and that aesthetic beauty we try to sometimes use for influence, right? We know of these things that happen occasionally to get out of tickets or to try to get into a job or try to do something where some people will use their looks in order to get favor. And yet we hear in the words of Proverbs that we should not be caught up with the beauty of a person, for that is not what is wise. The third human-centered power that we oftentimes will focus on is financial power. People that have riches and wealth and you and I know of these financial powers that that really can speak, and they can they can just change the waves of the world. They can have an appointment with whoever they want, whenever they want. Uh, for those of us that are living here in Omaha, we live where Warren Buffett lives. We understand and know someone that has great financial power, Bill Gates. Steve Jobs while he was living. We know them. And here's what we also know. That anyone who has been abundantly blessed beyond the needs of their daily needs, anyone who has been abundantly blessed beyond the needs of their daily needs must pay attention and keep an eye out for those who have yet to receive their daily needs. Just let that sink in for a second. Those that have been abundantly blessed beyond our daily needs, meaning we have more than we need each day, we must have a care and a concern for those who have yet to receive their daily needs because they'll receive them through us and lastly the human centered power is charisma right these great orators these great great ways of speaking these people that can can almost <laughs> really just talk you into anything you know those people that can can get you if you're in the middle of of a frozen tundra to get you to buy more ice right when you don't need it charisma. And yet, Proverbs also talks about to beware of the one who can speak so well with his tongue that they do not deceive you. So when we look at these things, these are the human-centered powers, but the truth of the matter is that we have been given power by God, and we're going to share, I'm going to talk in a few moments about what is the greatest power that God gives to all human beings, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, but what is the greatest power that he gives to us. But here's the one thing that we do know about the gifts and the abilities that God gives us, and that we will either dispense our power in the interest of honoring God, or we'll hoard and amplify it in the interest of mimicking omnipotence. Meaning we either realize and recognize that God alone is the one who's omnipotent. And so, so we're going to just use our power to be a reflection of a small mirror of his power. Or we're going to hoard it. We're going to use it. We're going to amplify it, try to make it bigger than what it really is and say, look at us, look at me. And, and I think the way that we figure this out, the way we know, am I using this gift to honor God or am I using this gift to honor, honor myself and, and mimic God, is really, where's the glory going? Where's the attention happening, right? Is it about me? Is it about what's happening in my life? Is it about how I'm doing it? Is it about how I get to be puffed up? Or is it about really what God's doing? Is it about what God's doing in the lives of another through me? Is the attention to where God is leading, growing, and bringing people to the kingdom of God? So then, what does God use for his power? Where do we see God centered in his power? It wasn't in the same way as us as humans. He, he didn't come with physical strength. Jesus did not walk this earth and have this brawn and this brute and this physical prowess. Matter of fact, what we know is that as he was carrying his crossbeam, he stumbled and fell. And Simon the Cyrene had to come and help him not willingly, but forced. God physically needed help. He could not carry it on his own. He didn't need the physical power. Aesthetically, did he have the power of aesthetics? No. We know from Isaiah 53, it says that he had no beauty in him. He had no beauty in him was it then financial, wealthy? I mean, He's God, right? He had everything in heaven, and heaven he we know is paved with streets of gold. Well, we know at His circumcision that they had to go and make an offering of two turtle doves. And when you look back in Lamentations... I believe 22, you see that that was the offering for the very poor. Jesus had no money. Charisma? I mean, He spoke, people followed. But yet when He stood on trial and Pilate said to Him, what do you have to say for yourself? Jesus chose silence over charisma. Jesus chose silence over charisma. Jesus did not have the same human-centered powers that we have. He could have, but he chose not to. Instead, Jesus chose and exemplifies the greatest power that God has, the power of love. What? Love. Jesus chose the greatest power, which is the power of love. What does that mean? That means that the power that Jesus has is that he lived a life of love for you, and for me. That He walked on this earth to love people, to love those in the margins, to love those who were told they were outsiders, to love those that no one else would. And here is God Almighty who has all the power in the world and His greatest power was to love, to speak to those who were the unspeakable to touch those who were unclean. To give attention and care to the little children who were not to be seen nor heard. Love. And that's the power that God continues to use and to give for us. That's the power that continues to see as, as as He exhibits the most important power that God has love. And his power of love is the true power that matters. Because he transforms the human heart from stone to flesh. His power of love, he puts in each and every one of us, transforming our hearts to be ones who love as well. The word of God says we love because he first loved us. We love because we have experienced great love. This love is what compels us and moves us. This love is poured out upon us where He claims us, names us, and makes us His own. One of the greatest exhibits of the power of God's love is in the gift of baptism. One of the greatest exhibits of the power of God's love is in the gift of baptism. And and what baptism is, in our understanding, is baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation. It's an outward expression of an inward transformation where our heart is turned to love God by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And when we see baptisms of others, we are reminded of our own baptism and reminded of the miracle that God has done within us. For me, there's nothing greater than when I get to see families rejoicing at baptism and celebrating because they know that that's when God has exerted his full power of love upon their loved one or upon themselves. It is when God has called, claimed, and named that person to be their own. Matter of fact, I'd like you to just see a few baptisms that have happened here over the past month. Just a small picture of a very few of them. Check these out now. I baptize you in the name of God the Father, in the name of God the Son, and in the name of God the Holy Spirit. There is nothing more awesome than watching a baptism because I am reminded of my very own baptism. And I am reminded where, where where God has called and claimed and made me his very own as well. And then I'm reminded of watching and being at my children's baptism And I'm reminded of all the other baptisms I've seen and all the other joys that I've had to watch the power of God's love at work in the lives of his people. Because Romans chapter 6, 3 and 4 says to us, all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death We were buried with Him by baptism into His death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too would walk, transformation, walk in newness of life. I was listening uh, the other day to a message uh, from someone and I was listening to this message and he told this story and it's, it's not an unfamiliar story. I've heard it before as well. He told a story of a friend of his who had been in the church for a long time, had grown up in the Christian church. And finally, she said to him, she said, I'm done. I'm out. I'm so sick of hearing how Jesus died for me. And and of course, as a pastor, this takes us back. We go, wait wait a minute. And he said, he goes, can you help me understand that a little bit more? What do you mean you're tired of hearing Jesus died for you? And her response was this. She said, I'm tired of being told that Jesus died for me and that there's nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry that he died for me. I'm sorry that I put him there. You see, I think sometimes as Christians, We hear about the death of God, and we think that that is a punishment. That that's something that we should have shame and guilt about. But Jesus going to the cross, as we read in Romans chapter 6, that that was a pure sign of love. That was an exertion of the power of the love of God. And in baptism, he unites us with Jesus in a death like his. And what does that mean? That means that love wins. Love wins over our sins. Love wins over our punishment. Love wins over our wrongdoing. Love wins it means the power of love has beaten the power of darkness. It means the power of love has beaten the power of our sin. It means the power of love has beaten everything and the cross is the great exposition of love. God is a God who constantly turns that which was designed for evil into that which is good, because God is love, and he gives you that love. He gives me that love, and in our baptism, we are reunited, and we are united with him at the cross. We are united with him in a resurrection like his, which means we too are raised to new life, and that new life is right here, and it's right now. It's for you, and it's for me, because here's the truth about God, that his greatest power, he uses omnipotence, the one that is central, not the outer fringes, not the things. Yes, of course, he can do anything, but the greatest thing that he does and the greatest thing that he gives to you and to me is the power of his love. The power of God is divinely connected with his limitless power of love, and hear that for you today, wherever you are, God loves you immeasurably more than you can imagine, that you are perfect in the sight of God because Christ has covered you and that you are his most loved creation. The victory of God is yours. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of the empty tomb that lives within you right here and right now. And you and I get to live out that love because God doesn't just hold that love in his power and say, it's mine and you don't get it. He gives that love to us, transforming our hearts to go out and to be people who live love, to be people who share hope, to be people who transform lives in the very power and in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is the good news. And so today... Today, we every day live out that power of his love by beginning our days reminded that we are a baptized child of God to be loved and to love. Can you imagine what the world would look like if we loved? It looked like heaven. And that's why we begin every day, we wake every day On mission to love. And we go to sleep and retire to our beds every night at peace to know that no matter what happened through the day, God's love is still there. And that love begins a new day tomorrow. And so we get the love. Because as God's truly loved people, where His omnipotent love reigns, we are reminded, because of that great love, that when we get to see this God of all power and all might, that He will envelop us, envelop us in the divine hug. Where the only scars we'll see are the scars on his hands and his feet and his side, given for you and me. This is the power of God's love. This is God being omnip- omnipotent for you and for me. Glory be to God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's loved people said, amen.